Hello and welcome back to the Co-op News Punch podcast. This is episode 32. We're coming at you around about a month after the last episode, so we're actually kind of on time. This is Liam and I'm joined again by Samzai. How's it going? Someone poked around in my nose today, but other than that, I'm pretty fine. <laughs> Someone went digging for gold in your nose today. Yeah, they, they definitely tried very hard to look for boogers. They Boogers. didn't find any though, apparently. But but they're telling me like that they'll have the results tomorrow. Well, let's hope for the best that you don't have COVID. Yeah, let's 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 definitely hope for that. Okay, so here we are. We are back. We are in action, and I actually had to fix my freaking <clears throat> microphone stand. I was I was sat here the other night, right? It mm-hmm. was it was really quiet. I was just enjoying my chill out time on the computer. When suddenly my microphone decided it hated life and decided to jump out of the stand and just slam into my <laughs> desk. And I, I'm not kidding you. I pooped myself. Like, I was like, what the fuck was that? Oh, it, it really got me. So <laughs> for anybody out there who does recording things and you use a microphone arm, at least once a week you might want to check how fiddly the bolts are on it because apparently they get loose and they just tend to drop on their head. Yeah, that could have been an expensive replacement. Yeah, definitely could have been. My mic is just a regular like desktop mic, so luckily the as long as the table stands, I should be good. See, I'm using an Audio Technica, one of the special microphones so i don't particularly want to... microphones well yeah it's not a normal usb one it's one of those what is it xlr is that the connection name ah, I think are you planning on starting a like an asmr thing for patreons <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> right so we've got uh, a little bit of news to go over today as usual we'd, we'd hope so after a month <laughs> yeah it would be kind of sad if there wasn't anything yeah so, zero a dot d dot zero ad has released alpha twenty five. So this is a, a free and open source real time strategy game. You can think of it like a free and open source version of Age of Empires, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's been in development for a very long time now, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I remember back around in. Uh, 2010, when I switched to Linux initially, like there was a lot of lot of talk about uh, zero AD all the way back then, and we're still talking about it to this day. And yeah, this thing has just been kind of like along for the journey for me, at least in terms of like Linux usage and Linux gaming for the entire time. Yeah, it is one of the the ancient ones nowadays, but it's it's impressive what they've been able to build <clears throat> with it, though, because. It it does look really good. And the latest version adds in some pretty fancy new features as well. Yeah, I mean I, I tried the playing like the latest beta uh, or mm-hmm. the beta alpha. We're still we're still in I, alpha. Yeah, <laughs> it's still on out it it's at, it's in alpha, but it's at the point where it's actually far more technically impressive than a lot of released games. Yeah, I mean th- this is one of those cases where like alpha doesn't necessarily mean what you you'd expect it to mean or the definition of an alpha is kind of like weird in the sense that like most people wouldn't call this like an alpha anymore this would at least be a beta of some sort yeah pretty much but yeah i tried it um and um yeah i mean it it, it's it's definitely good um 
the initial like they they one of the new things that they brought was like this initial implementation of like single player campaign stuff. Yeah, it's not really like hashed out. There isn't really a proper campaign mode, at least as far as I understand. Okay. But like I, I I do enjoy that they're like sort of taking the game to that direction because it's more likely that I'm gonna be playing these kinds of like RTS games in single player campaign mode rather than in like the uh, online multiplayer. Yeah. Way. Because right now you can play against the AI and you can also play online against other people as well. And yes. it it does work for that and it works quite well. Uh, a lot better now since this version was out because it's got a lot of like pathfinding and netcode improvements. Uh, there's improved unit AI, and, you know, just masses of improvements to the mechanics behind the game. So if you are looking for your next strategy game, and you like the the build up and gather games where you can build a nice wall around it and then stand out lots of troops. Then yeah, zero AD is definitely one to look at, and it's free and open source. Yeah, I mean, at this point, if you haven't tried it, then you kind of owe it to yourself to try it at least because I mean, it's free and open source. It's been here forever. Just about any everybody should like have tried this game by now. Absolutely, yeah. Now, how about a little bit of game development news? Yeah, I mean, I love game development. Game Maker Studio 2 has just recently introduced... uh, Well, got to get this right. They've introduced an Ubuntu Linux editor. Now, they're very clear that they only ever support Ubuntu specifically to the point that somebody, I think this was on Twitter, said about Linux support, and they said, we don't support Linux, we support Ubuntu. It's like, (laughs) right, okay. Um. But yeah, this is it's kind of surprising because the the exports that you get from Game Maker Studio 2 have always annoyed me quite a bit because most of the time they work quite well, but they always have a problem with dependencies. Mm-hmm. Almost every single Game Maker Studio 2 game that has exported to Linux because they target very specifically the exact libraries that Ubuntu uses on very specific versions, it just causes all kinds of nuisances. So developers basically have to go and manually get these exact libraries to include with their game. And I've helped a few studios do this. And it is, yeah, it's a it's a real pain in the ass. But hopefully now they've actually got a proper editor out there. Maybe we're going to start seeing even more improvements. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely a like a, a hopeful sign, and obviously a good thing for those that are doing their or at least want to do their game development on the Linux side of things. Um, we What's... just need to hope that the quality of the you know the editor is you know good enough, and also that it remains to be like updated. Well, the interesting thing is with this update, it's a, it's in beta right now, along with like big updates for the Windows and Mac editor as well. But what they've actually done is they uh-huh. changed the editor to use SDL too. So they're yes, using yes. a lot more cross-platform stuff, and they're even using FNA 3D for the editor. So the the 3D you know environment there is all using up-to-date, proper, modern tech, which is, is kind of amazing. So hopefully we're going to see a lot more improvements. But what's really interesting, though, is that Yo-Yo Games, who develop Game Maker Studio, they were acquired by, I don't know how you say this properly, is it Opera or Opera? The I'd browser maker. Yeah, Opera. 
Opera. Yeah. Okay. So they were acquired by Opera Software earlier this year. So it does seem like things are actually going reasonably well because I was a bit worried. Like, really? Opera, the browser maker, now own Game Maker Studio, but they've repeatedly recently put out, you know, some good updates for it. So fingers crossed, it looks like Game Maker Studio 2 is going up in the wild. Yeah. Well, it's nice to see that this at least like this option is made available to us. Yeah. Although, before I forget about it, there's one point about Game Maker Studio that I do want to bring up as well. They recently changed their licensing on it. You're now basically forced to subscribe, pretty much, and pay monthly for it. But, so, I don't like the idea that a lot of software like this is basically rented nowadays, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, definitely like going into that rental kind of direction. And that that does bug me. But the upside of it is they have also vastly simplified what you get. Some time ago, even the Ubuntu export feature was like an added paid extra. But now pretty much everything is included. it's, It's better in a way. But then the other side is it's not better because you're now constantly paying them. Yeah. Never mind. You can't have everything, but (laughs) yeah, it's trade-offs. Yeah, there's always a trade-off somewhere. Unless you're going to go for a free and open source engine like Godot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how about some actual game news again now? Then. Yeah, let's do game news. We've kind of sandwiched that one in a little bit there. (laughs) So, Barrel Interactive, they're back again. Um. So recently, they did mention they were not going to port uh, Total War Troy to Linux. But now they are reconfirming, basically, that Total War Warhammer 3 is still coming to Linux and the port is already in progress. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit difficult to like figure out what this actually means. Um, I guess it could be that the Total War like the Saga series of games haven't been doing very well, but the Warhammer series has, at least on like Linux. Well, the problem with Troy was that it was Epic exclusive when it originally came out and it was free. Ah, so yeah. So people would have picked it up there and yeah, that's were unlikely to actually like pay for it. Yeah, exactly. Sense. So either way, even if they did do Total War Saga Troy, they wouldn't get, you know, that initial hit of sales from Linux people anyway. And so the better option is probably Warhammer 3, which is a much more popular one anyway. Yeah. But it's it's good news in a way because we at least know that Feral Interactive haven't completely abandoned Linux native porting, which, as we've discussed in a previous episode, we do believe is is still very important. Yeah, absolutely. Like... They are a vital part of this ecosystem in their own way. Yeah, but if you are looking forward to Total War Warhammer 3, it is on its way. Nice. Very nice. How about a little bit of legal news? Oh boy, I love legal news. (laughs) So, Wolfire Games, who made Lugaru and Overgrowth, filed a lawsuit a little while back against Valve. And they were basically saying that Valve were abusing their market position. But Valve ended up basically firing back, trying to get it to dismissed. 
So the original lawsuit basically alleges that Valve's cuts, their 30% cut, is an abuse of their market position, and they complained about how Valve handles Steam keys, and apparently Valve have this permanent most favored nation clause where if you release on Steam, you can't, you have to have basically the same price on other stores. But Valve Valve have basically come back and said, you haven't shown any evidence of this. It's just, it doesn't exist, basically, is what Valve is saying, which is really interesting to actually see it be said so clearly, because we know this is a case with Steam keys, and that is the only place we've ever seen it publicly stated. Mm -hmm. So so it is genuinely interesting to see that Valve basically saying, well, no, it, it doesn't exist. Yeah, the the problem here is that from what we've heard and the way I understand this is that the um, the argument from Wolfire was that that they were told that they were not allowed to sell these keys below the Steam rate, um, and apparently, like what I've what I've heard, and this like everything is kind of getting fuzzy, so I don't remember which which things are actually true and which ones are not, but that. I think there was some like some talk about what the actual terms and conditions were and that there wasn't this kind of an explicit clause. But I mean, at this point, it kind of gets into that sort of a hearsay-ish. They, were, they, they say that they were told that it was this way, but there is no official document saying it, it is that way. So yeah, yeah. It, gets, it gets tricky. At this point, it just seems that Wolfire have been a bit silly. Um, because they they've not shown any real evidence that it exists, and it's kind of like what what were they expecting the outcome of this to be if they don't have hard solid evidence to that Valve have shown or say somewhere that games have to have the same price across the stores? It's just yeah, like, it's like what were you expecting to happen? Yeah, I I don't really understand like. It, it, they they should have gone into this with like hard evidence to back up their claims. I mean, that's the only thing that really flies in in the court of law, at least one would hope. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, the ingredients are there that Valve could be abusing their market position because they have such a dominant market position. And my argument has been all along that if these things that Wolfire says are true, then this is a problem and it should be dealt with. And I also do still think that the 30% cut that Valve takes is, frankly, a little bit too much. Um, and it could be scaled much better than it currently is. But also, like, if if Wolfire doesn't provide, you know, good backing for their arguments in the court, then, I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to just, like, all be thrown out eventually. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do agree with Valve. Um especially on the Steam key part, because Valve at no point have to give out Steam keys to anybody. They they could take that system away at any point if they wanted to, because that is it's just an added extra. It's not required for anything. Yeah, but the sad thing is that it's also part of what makes many like third-party stores viable is them being able to like give out the, the developers being able to give out these keys along with a purchase from another store so if they took that system out that would basically just entrench the position of steam even further yeah and at that point like 
I, I think at that point we'd have to like start looking into how do we break up Steam. Yeah, yeah, I do agree. Um, I mean, Steam is so completely entrenched now, um, and you have mm, quite a few other stores now relying on the Steam key feature, but it still doesn't change that. I, I, I do agree with Valve on the Steam key side of it that yes, mm-hmm. Steam customers should not get well, direct Steam customers should not get a worse deal if they're going to be buying a key on a different store like Humble or Fanatical or somewhere. And I I think that is fair enough because at the end of the day, Valve are seeing zero from all of those sales. And as a result of this lawsuit from Wildfire Games, we can basically see that Valve are saying the most favoured nation clause just basically doesn't exist for, you know, normal sales. So hopefully... We'll get a true answer to this when you know the the final final stamp comes down to say what happens on this lawsuit. Mm. But it also, I guess, if this means that Valve is saying that this permanent most favored nation clause doesn't exist, then developers don't also have to abide by any kind of a clause like that because Valve is basically saying that doesn't exist. So therefore, doesn't bind any of the developers either. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens as a result of that, if anyone even really, truly takes notice. Yeah. On the flip side, uh, Steam Controller, right? One of my one of my favourite controllers. It's been under a another lawsuit between Valve and Ironberg Inventions. So Ironberg were basically trying to sue Valve to say the the paddles, the buttons on the back basically broke their patents. Well, it was infringing. That's the word I'm looking for. Infringed Mm. on their patents. But Valve has thankfully caught a bit of a break here because it is such a flipping ridiculous patent to be able to have. Um, What's happened is that it's, it's actually completely ridiculous the more I think on this. So when Ironberg put their patent application in, one of the references was to a, a different company's controller being reviewed. This was back in 2010, and this had buttons on the back of it. This was multiple oh. years before oh. Ironberg even put in a patent application. That's so dumb. I mean, this just goes to show that sometimes the patent system is just like really super duper broken, where someone can take an idea, an existing idea, and file a patent on it, and then try to extract money out of people who have made a product that they haven't actually contributed to. Yeah. And what makes it worse is so not only did they have it as a reference and they were granted the patent, the previous ruling that went against Valve and Valve were going to have to pay millions in damages, the previous people who did the ruling basically ignored the prior art on this and tried claiming dates didn't match up and it you know it wasn't enough basically because valve from the word the wording you know in these legal documents are quite difficult to understand but valve basically had a printout if i've got my wording right to show you know this this article from 2010 from years before the patent but it was ignored and now it's come back and yeah they've caught a bit of a break because Somebody else has come along and said, well, this isn't right. There is overwhelming evidence of prior art, which there absolutely is. 
Mm-hmm. And it and they said this was ignored in previous rulings. And yeah, so we're waiting for the next part in the Steam Controller saga. So hopefully some elements of those patents will be invalidated as a result of this, which will be nice because I would like more controllers to have buttons on the back because they're really, really useful. Yeah, I mean, that's the only way really that you can get because of the way a controller works. And if you want more buttons for it, the only really good place to put them is on the back because all of your fingers are already so busy with any, like all of the other buttons. Yeah, and this will save companies money as well because Ironberg are basically acting like a patent troll on this because other companies like uh, Microsoft with their, I think it's their Elite controller, that's the one with the buttons on the back. They actually, and there's others out there, pay them for mm. this because they do that. So, yeah, I really hope Valve wins this one. I really do. Because it's such, yeah, it's just complete stupidity. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. That, yeah. I think that sums up the patent system. Yeah, but basically every time we end up talking about patents, like it's every time it's something stupid like this. <laughs> Wait, is it patent or patent? Am I saying it wrong? I, you might be saying it wrong. I, I've already, like, I've always heard that it was patent, hmm. but I mean, it could also be, I mean, I'm, I'm the, I'm the English as like second language here. So, so yeah, it's, it's my second language too, though. English is my first language. We all know oh. this. <laughs> mm, right. Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Right. We have some more Valve news though. Although this one is actually a bit of a mix. Uh, and it's, it's one of your, favorite companies amd well i mean amd is often better than intel all right you want to take it away yeah so there's this um thing where valve and amd now that they're like you know they're hardware partners of obviously with the steam deck which is powered by an amd apu so now they're working towards a uh, a new sort of performance scaling design for these amd cpus which is interesting because yeah, so the Steam Deck is it's it's custom APU basically, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's the way I understand it. Like um obviously AMD provides these custom solutions for various companies and this one seems to be one of those types of deals. Right. So you won't be able to buy one of those APUs from the store. They, this is like relatively custom stuff mm-hmm. specifically for the um, Steam Deck and possibly devices like it. Right. And so now the two companies, AMD and Valve, are essentially designing a way within the Linux kernel to get more get more juice out of AMD processors, to, mm-hmm. to put it very simply. Have I got that about right? Yeah, so this this like whole performance scaling thing, we've... I mean, this is the stuff like... Um, stuff that, for example, that one feral tool uh, game mode was sort of uh, doing... Where it was messing with the like performance governors yeah. that determine when the CPU should ramp up its uh, frequencies and when it should ramp them down, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is basically what um, what AMD and Valve are looking for, and I guess like the idea. I mean, there there's a couple of interesting things about like for example APUs and things like that. An APU obviously it has its CPU cores. Yeah. It has its GPU cores. Mm-hmm. And all of that has to happen within a certain like sort of thermal threshold. Yeah. So you have to kind of sometimes balance to whether you ramp up the CPU speeds, whether you ramp up the GPU speeds, that kind of stuff. 
so that you get the maximum performance out of your system because those two devices, the or those two parts, the CPU and the graphics, they only have so much energy to like work with and so much thermal capacity to work with. Right. And uh, with uh, games and things like that, we don't obviously... I mean, there, there's, there's many interesting things here, one of which is that obviously a mobile device, it has a battery. So we don't want to burn the battery like... We don't want to want what the device goes to go full tilt all the time. Yeah, so it needs to be really careful on the power to performance efficiency. Yeah, but at the same time, if we run low power for too long, that can particularly if a game has like moments where a lot of stuff is happening at the same time, and then moments where relatively little is happening, that might look like to the uh, the the sort of kernel that we can ramp down the CPU speed now, but then it doesn't necessarily ramp up fast enough. Yeah. So you end up with inconsistent performance. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's, a, it's a really like sort of a difficult balancing act of trying to balance the, uh, the, the battery life of the device, the performance of your games, and how to like make the CPU smoothly work between those like states of high activity and low activity. So hopefully then the end result of AMD and Valve doing this is that whether it's the Steam Deck or a current generation AMD processor, they'll just perform hopefully better then. I mean, I don't think this like scaling work is necessarily going to improve the performance of the system when the system is running at its maximum speed, but it hopefully improves performance in those cases where your CPU is sort of transitioning through different states, different uh, frequencies. Right, so yeah. those, okay. those transitions happen at a more, op- like, more quickly at a more opportune time so that you don't have these performance issues that come from the CPU ramping down its performance and then ramping it up. Mm, okay. But it's, it's interesting work, and it just goes to show you just how invested in many ways that Valve are, for obvious reasons, now that we know they have the Steam Deck coming. And there's probably more to come. No doubt they haven't revealed everything yet that they're doing. In other good news, we finally hit something, something kind of big recently, didn't we? Oh, yeah, we are the 1%. Woo! 1%. It's just... I. Amazing. Yeah, truly, truly amazing. I mean, it is a which is, relatively which is, random uh, figure on the <laughs> Steam hardware survey. But... We're going to pop the champagne. We're going to have some cake. Yeah. <laughs> truly the year of the Linux desktop. Yeah, one whole percent. Although we're recording this. This is Wednesday the 1st. The new this is survey... already like a month old information. Yeah. We're going to get the new survey like soon enough and then it's gonna like it it's gonna either verify this or it's going to like immediately push it back down yeah so it's usually a day later where we're gonna find out very soon if we've stayed around one percent or if we've gone back down but really though it's been trending upwards for some time i would be honestly i'd be surprised if it stayed above one percent right now because the steam deck's not out yet there's not a lot really pushing people towards Linux gaming. I've always said, and I'll say it again, hardware, hardware, hardware. We've always needed the hardware. But saying that, 
all this ruckus about Windows 11, I do have to wonder if it's going to make much of an impact with all the... Because they're really making it confusing for people on whether they can upgrade or not. Yeah, and the, the funny thing is that I recently got like a quote-unquote new laptop for myself. And um, because I, I my old laptop was kind of starting to get a little bit slow, so I got myself a second-hand um, business laptop, a ThinkPad. Yeah. And the funny thing is that it has a 7th-gen Intel processor. 7th-gen, 7th-gen. Seventh seventh gen. Yeah. So how old is that? How many years are we talking? So this is a model from about 2017. That's not even old then, really. It's not, it's not really that old, but we're talking like uh, maybe a little bit more than four, uh, four-ish years. Uh, so, But the funny thing is that this laptop is not Windows 11 compatible, according to the uh, CPU, <laughs> like supported CPU lists. Oh, dear. Yeah, I uh, for a bit of a laugh, I, I tried to see if my computer was because my computer was paid for by family and it was about £2,000 uh, when I got it originally because it was like, it's it's a special processor that had like eight cores and like nothing else had it at the time. So the processor alone was ridiculously expensive. But this doesn't even support Windows 11 apparently. So it's kind of like how many millions of people are going to be in the same boat? Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I've definitely heard like on some more technically minded forums and sites that some people are definitely saying that they are going to like switch their like desktops over to Linux because at this point, like if 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 <laughs> if Microsoft is not going to let them easily Apparently, you can do manual upgrades, but we're talking about like easily do this. If they're not going to let people easily upgrade their systems over to Windows 11, they're going to reinstall or they're going to just wipe the Windows install and install Linux on them. We'll actually need to see if that actually materializes because there was a lot of talk about this back when you know Windows 8 was happening. I'm not really sure if we actually end up getting a good bump no. of like growth from that. So. We'll need to see what happens with this Windows 11 deal. As for like the um, the, the the way the percentages have sort of fluctuated, looking at this graph, it wouldn't be completely off if this like blip to one percent actually went down below afterwards, because we've definitely seen similar sorts of jumps in the past that have immediately gone down. I'm going to say we're going to go back down to between 0.8 and 0.9, between there. Yeah, so something along those lines seems like it's very much possible. Yeah, but it's it's interesting, though, because it's been absolutely years since it's hit that 1%. Because years and years ago, it did hit over 2%, but this was sort of around the time that Valve put out a special item in Team Fortress 2 that you could only get like in the Linux version and, you know, stuff like that caused a bit of a bump. But then you also have to think, how many years on are we from that now? Steam as a whole and the user base has exploded. So even though the percentage is lower, the amount of users, no matter what, will be higher anyway. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely growing because it's always worth keeping in mind that Steam is continuously growing. And if we even maintain the same percentage, that means that we are maintaining a similar sort of linear growth as the rest of Steam. So 
that is already like a, a good sign by itself. Yeah. I mean, we, we'd want to see more, obviously. We're not settling, but it is still worth keeping in mind that how you know, percentages work in a very, very special kind of way. And just because a certain percentage isn't going up super high doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't growth. It just means that there isn't that, that much relative growth. Yeah, that's exactly. And it's worth remembering because I think people do often forget about that. Yeah. Right. Next, we're going to, this is completely sort of off topic, really, but I wanted to talk about it for a moment because we're going to talk about Epic Games for a minute. Oh, boy. Because they, uh, they've really annoyed me recently. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's a game out there. Some of you might have heard it. It's a, it's a bit of a niche game, really. It's called uh, Among Us. Ooh, Among Us. Sus. <laughs> So, yeah, Among Us, it became really, really popular and it basically reignited an entire genre. So it's not the first to do a game about having a suspect run around and try and kill everybody. There's been plenty of games that have done that sort of gameplay before. but Yeah, Thomas um, Salem and Mafia and various kinds of other things like that. Yes, exactly. There is also... Uh, a mod actually for I can't remember if it was Counter Strike or whatever. G mod TTT. Yeah, Trouble in Terrorist Town. That's it. There we go. That's what I was thinking of. But Among Us is is the most modern variant. They popularized it all over again, and that Among Us does have plenty of things that are completely unique about it. So Epic Games recently came along and released basically this new game mode for Fortnite, and it entirely rips off. Basically everything about Among Us. And it really, really annoyed me because Fortnite at this point is a collectathon. They will team up with everything that is apparently popular to get their skins in the game so that they can make even more money. But mm-hmm. yet they won't do it with an indie developer. They will just rip them off. And it really annoyed me. Yeah, I mean, has Fortnite actually done anything that is like unique in any kind of a way Uh, i mean the only unique thing is that it combines all of the things that other people have made like the whole building part i mean that was just basically ripping off uh minecraft the battle royale mode basically just ripping off PUBG. there's not a lot that it's done uniquely i mean where some of the dances are copied from oh yeah actual dances yeah they've they've had lawsuits fired at them because of things that they've copied PUBG originally even tried suing them because all the all the mechanics of the battle royale mode were a very direct copy of PUBG every everyone knows it um yeah it just it upset me a bit actually because Epic Games have this obviously these lawsuits going on against the likes of you've probably heard of them uh, Apple and Google mm-hmm where, you know, they're trying to get their, their own store, basically, onto the platforms and get things, get all the money going through them instead of through Apple and Google. These are also good things, you know. They these, I mean, this is one of those cases where Epic is right. Yes, they absolutely are right, and, and I do agree. But it's the it's the we're the good guys, good guy Epic. Look at us, look what we're doing. We're fighting for the no. people. Um, and then they do shit like this. Yeah, I mean, Epic is Epic is not a, like 
people should stop this whole like thing where they think that a particular company like Valve or Epic are their friends. Yeah, they're not. They're out no. to make money and that is it. They'll they'll like in their PR, they'll like frame themselves as like we're the good guys, we're fighting for the the users and all of that stuff. No. Um this this whole like thing with the Epic like uh suing Apple and Google and all of that to establish like third party like proper third party application development on those platforms the the actual like thing this ability to do third party application development on these platforms that's a side effect what epic is actually like tr- fighting for is their own profits we might be able to get a side benefit out of it but that's like only just a sort of a coincidence yeah so, yeah, I mean, if they won against Google for Android and Apple for the iPhones to get things to be a bit more open and to not have, you know, transactions forced through their systems, it would open things up more for others. But you still then got to cut through the noise. It's not really going to help unless you're a huge company that can market, you know, whatever special store you're suddenly going to do on these platforms. It's just... Yeah. Yeah, I mean pretty much. I mean, I would be just happy if people could do just like not necessarily even make profit but just develop third-party applications for things like the iPhones and whatnot. Yeah. Because the current model is completely ridiculous, but it is worth always keeping in mind that Epic is striving for their own profits and their own profits first and anything that they end up doing for users, developers, whoever that they can they sort of claim to be campaigning for. That's just, you know, the the PR spin on the sort of uh, side effects of what they are doing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Epic are not your friends. Don't, uh, don't ever think that. Don't think of that like for basically any company. No. No company ever is your friend. Yeah. But, yeah, so I just wanted to go over that because it, it really annoyed me. They're just how they can consistently... Say we're the good guys. Look at what we're doing, and then go and rip off an indie developer like that. It's just mm. yeah. they should have teamed up with them for it. That, yeah, that would have been a good way to handle it. That that would have been the that would have been perfection if they'd have teamed up with them and said, you know, we worked with the Among Us guys on this. That's, that's all it flipping needed, but it's just greed. It's it's, it's pure greed, and it angers me. Mm. Okay, I'm okay. I'm calm. I'm calm. Yep. Right. We're going to do just a bit of quickfire release news. So there's been a couple new releases recently that I'm just going to mention and recommend to you. So the first is Starmancer. It's a space station building sim long after the Earth has been basically destroyed, uninhabitable, whatever. And you are an AI that has to build up this space station. But what's interesting is that all the people have their consciousness basically uploaded and you then have to grow new people in these little tanks. It's it's a very clever way of doing it. Yeah, I, I, I tried that very quickly and it seemed like a fun way of, uh, fun thing. I, I mean, I might be confusing this with another space station construction thing, but wasn't this the one that did like a pixel art type of deal, but in 3D? Kind of, yeah. You might be also thinking of Space Haven, Space Haven. Does that mean that there's like I have like a couple of these? <laughs> yeah, there's um, 
that quite a few developers have decided to do. No, space I don't, stuff. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not thinking about uh, Space Haven. I was oh, okay. wondering if I had it confused with Star Deus. Yeah, that is another one. Star Deus <laughs> is um, currently crowdfunding. It's doing again quite a similar thing, but Star Deus is trying to do sort of a, a rim world in space. So that one. You've got lots of these space building ones now, and they all of them somehow, somehow manage to be quite unique in their own way. And it's it just indie developers really impressed me on how they're able to keep doing this. But yeah, Starmancer, Starmancer. Now I've verified, and this is exactly the one that I'm talking about. So I played this on a stream recently. No, oh, yeah, okay. And um, and the one thing that popped out to me was that like. It has this kind of a pixel arty look to it, and initially when I looked at it the first time, I thought it was like just a two D game. Yeah, but then I realized that you can turn the camera around. Mm, yeah, it's yeah, it's really good. Hard. Yeah, I have to. I'll have to play more of it because it seemed like a cool one. Yeah, so that is Starmancer. That's out in early access. If you like space building stuff, check it out. Uh, the next one, Death Trash. Now this one. Is really interesting. I've followed the developer on this one for absolutely years when they first joked about making their own Fallout like on Twitter. And it's, it's, it, I, I seem to say that's a reasonable sort of way to explain it. It's kind of like the older Fallout games. Uh, so it's an isometric RPG with a sort of fleshy cosmic horror theme to it. It's, have you seen you it? Just- yeah, I've I've played it, and I even um, I I made an attempt to befriend a flesh monster. Was that the uh, f- flesh kraken? Yeah, the flesh kraken, which is just this giant fleshy creature in the side of a mountain, basically. I, I love flesh kraken. It's it's the artwork in Death Trash is absolutely amazing. I love it, and it's got a dedicated puke button. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed it does. And you need to pick up that puke, put it in your pocket for later, because you might need to use it to like oil up a machine or something. Yeah, <laughs> mm. <laughs> fantastic. Now you, uh, you like slay the slay the spire, don't you? Uh, yes, yes, I do. So I'm a big fan of it as well. I like my deck builders. A new one appeared in early access recently called Draft of Darkness. Now this is a a deck builder with a horror theme to it. And um, this one's quite unique because you're an actual person. So you're walking around exploring the world directly like it's uh, like it's a sort of top down RPG. And when mm-hmm. you when you go into battles, it then becomes, you know, like a turn based card throwing game like Slay the Spire and other games like it. Yeah, from the screenshots, it's kind of it kind of looks like what was that one rogue light game that where you darkest dungeon, darkest dungeon. So it seems like it's a kind of like combination of darkest dungeon, but it has a deck building element to it. Uh, in a way, yeah. Except like the exploration isn't like a side view, so you're you're actually the person walking around, and you can you know go up to like. A, cabinet open it up and find some extra stuff in there but yeah it's really really worth looking into i think draft of darkness has sadly been quite overlooked it's yeah it's really good go check it out this next one i think you're a big fan of aren't you oh yeah jupiter hell absolutely so jupiter hell uh actually had the 1.0 release didn't it 
It's not in early access anymore. Yeah, now it's a full release. A full release. This is probably one of the absolute slickest roguelikes I've ever played because it it doesn't even feel like a roguelike. Yeah, I mean, the, the animations are so smooth that if you play it fast enough, it looks like it's a real-time game. I, I forget I'm playing a turn-based game every single time. It's just, oh, it's so good. It's basically the spiritual successor to a game that was originally called Doom the Roguelike until they got got in trouble. But yeah, Jupiter Hell, if you like modern, really good-looking roguelikes that are full of serious action, that is one absolutely you have to take a look at. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Another bit of quickfire news is that Unbound Worlds Apart is also out now. This is not early access either. It's uh, a puzzle platformer with portals there's no traditional combat in it either so you you run around and if there's like a big gap between two areas that you need to get through and say there's lots of spikes below it you could run jump through the air hit a button and sort of a portal a big circle portal will appear behind you to another world where there might be a platform for you to land on Mm. it's really really cleverly done because when you open these portals something that is completely inert and just neutral might suddenly in this other portaled world be a giant scary creature that suddenly comes at you yeah it's really really cool so if you like platformers that do something a bit different check it out it is quite challenging i'll warn you Mm. a final one on our quickfire news is that if you like monster catching and you feel like you're a bit too grown up for Pokemon, if you can ever be too grown up for Pokemon, but there are some people out there who believe you can be, you want to look into Monster Crown. That is going to release in full on October 12th. And I've, I've played a little bit of it, and the idea of it is quite nice, where you don't lob a magical ball and creatures instead you you basically get them to sign a contract with you <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh yeah but it's the the storyline and everything about it is is quite a bit darker so if you're after perhaps a slightly more involved monster catching game that looks like the original retro pokemon games then go and check that out it is in early access right now so you can go and play it nice nice so we have a celebration. Yeah, yeah, we do. It is the big one. Yeah, so we are obviously late a little bit on this, but the uh, the party goes on. The party so, will always go on. Yeah, I mean, it is a big number. So, yeah, Linux uh, turned 30, which is pretty cool. Yeah, there's a... I'm, t- I'm lost for words a bit there because it's just... Linux has obviously changed my life completely. Um <laughs> I don't know where I would be without it. It's it's funny because when the idea of it was originally announced by the creator, Linus Torvalds, he includes a message there about it not being, it's not going to be, you know, big and serious like GNU. And then it's like 30 years later, it's powering, you know, the top supercomputers around the world. It's, it's going to be powering the Steam Deck. It powers, you know, half the internet. And the phones in a lot of people's pockets, and uh, yeah, the phone on my desk in their homes. Yeah, it's just happy birthday to Linux, thirty years strong. Simply amazing. It just goes to show what some hobby products can turn into. Yeah, 
this one turned definitely definitely quite serious, which is very, very ironic considering the original <laughs> release release message. But yeah. yeah, I mean, it's been 30 great years and hopefully it'll be plenty more. Absolutely. Okay, so Samzai, what have you been playing most recently over the last month or so? Anything good? Yeah, so uh, I wanted to, like, obviously I've played quite a number of games, but a couple of picks that I wanted to make. Um, these are games that I've also talked about in the past, but Ziggurat 2 is something that I've played. One of the reasons was that it was updated. Well, I mean, it constantly gets updated. It's what, like, it, the Ziggurat 2's early access is done in a fantastic way, where it's like a constant feed of um, new, interesting stuff. They and, and all of the stuff that they release is, like, super polished. But they recently updated it, and what they did was they uh, basically they did some performance overhauling, so this, the the game now runs a lot better. And that kind of inspired me to, since I bought bought this like new laptop for myself, I decided I'm gonna just try because I've I haven't tried Intel HD graphics stuff since the Intel HD graphics 3000, which was on my one of my older laptops. And I decided that I'd try the um, the integrated graphics chip on my new laptop to just kind of see, like, get a ballpark figure of, like, how it would work. Right, yeah. And I tried it before the update. It ran really, really kind of poorly. I had to, like, lower everything to the minimum. <laughs> the game was definitely not looking good, and it was struggling to hit, like, 30 FPS. Yeah, okay. Then I, then I tried it after the update. I still have to run it on a on fairly low settings, mm-hmm. but at that point I was getting, like, 40 50 fps damn it's quite a difference <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's entirely possible that i might have had like some background applications running i'm not really sure if it's a actually like a nearly 100 percent performance improvement but there is a definite performance improvement there so and ziggurat 2 is now playable on some much lower end hardware then yeah i mean at least at least hopefully it is like playable on some like weaker hardware now no. i wouldn't necessarily <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't necessarily advise you to, if you have like a super weak PC, to just like go out and, you know, try your luck necessarily. But I mean, it, it definitely seems to be uh, running quite a lot better. And hopefully they'll also keep the uh, hardware requirements on the store page like updated as they make these performance improvements. But it's just great mm-hmm. that they did like, they spent this uh, time on like fixing up the uh, the performance and Along the way, they also brought in like new mini bosses, and you know it's it's just like amazing what they're doing with that early access project. And another thing that I wanted to mention, Caves of Cod, got back into that. Uh, I've played it on a couple of live streams. I had a really good character going for like at least three streams, and then that character died—a very stupid death. Um, I'm sad about that, but um, the game is great. And they also updated it; like they they have a new beta out or something. Yeah, so Case of Cud just uh, is it Quad Cud? Cud, I, I call it Cud. Cud. Yeah, they literally just today, first of September, put up a new beta version that has like a completely overhauled character creator. Um, yeah, it looks it looks a lot nicer, and I like how they're redoing steadily the entire UI for the game to make it better. Well, to make it work with a mouse and keyboard or a mixture of both, it's become yeah, it's become a lot more accessible because it was 
it's quite a difficult game to get into, although not as much now because it also has new game modes as well where it has like checkpoint saves and so on. So you don't even have to do it permadeath anymore, which is really nice. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of like at some point when most of the storyline stuff is done and there are like relatively few bigger updates left. I'm planning on doing like a, a run of it with the permadeath stuff turned off because I haven't ever made it into the late game yet. I have well over 100 hours in it. Um, actually, how many hours do I have in it? 113 hours. Um, and I haven't even made it like really past the mid game. Yeah. <laughs> so it would be nice to like play out like a really like commit to a character, play it for a long time without worrying about the permadeath stuff and actually get far into the game. Yeah. It's a it's a good roguelike though. Yeah, it's worth it's definitely worth looking into. Absolutely. It's a it's pro- probably my favorite roguelike game ever. Really? Yeah, yeah. I That's would say good. so. The world is really nice and it's just like it's so kind of creative. It does things in a such a different way to many other roguelikes that I've played. Yeah. It it is. It has some of the most wild characters you can make. Absolutely, and the lore is very nice. I enjoy it, and um, yeah, it's just so so wonderful. Yeah, well, it's probably going to come as no surprise, but I've been playing Splitgate, the first-person shooter with portals, because well, it's it's just good fun. It's just mm-hmm. there's no other way to explain it. It's got the feel of classic Halo with portals, and you can and it's free. And it works well on Linux as well, apart from some like really minor issues most of the time. But yeah, it's it's absolutely great. And um, they recently said that it's going to stay in beta indefinitely. They're, they're not putting a date on a release anymore because they're just constantly being overwhelmed with the amount of people playing it. They just want to keep making it better. So yeah, ideal. And it stays free to play. So awesome. Yeah, I mean... The thing here is also, like, with these free-to-play games, what's the difference between a beta and a non-beta? Yeah, every these types of games, that are especially online-only, they're basically live service games. Those tags are just... They don't really make sense anymore. But... Yeah, I mean, the game, the game is basically going to get continuously updated until eventually it's no longer, like, worthwhile to make those updates, and at that point the game is just going to die. Yeah, I mean, with the latest release, they're even calling it Season Zero. So it's like, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, on the flip side, I tried out a game called Aliens Fireteam Elite. Now, I tried this with Proton because it doesn't have a Linux version, and I, I just couldn't resist because Aliens is like my absolute number one all-time favorite film, and I love the just the world the designs of everything and i thought finally there might be a good modern shooter for it but um yeah it turned out this is actually quite a budget game it's the first release by this studio and i don't know if it was a driver issues proton issues or whatever but the game just did not work very well for me half like half the time it was really smooth and kind of enjoyable and then other times it would be like, if I fire a weapon, the game would just turn into a stutter fest. And it was just lots 
have really annoying issues like that. So yeah, that was a disappointment. So, what, so basically, what you're saying is that you just can't catch a break with these aliens games. No, I just I can't. Just because stupid Randy from Gearbox ruined Colonial Marines years and years ago, and now <laughs> and now Fire Team Elite just doesn't seem to work properly on my computer. I just. <laughs> <laughs> It's just funny to me that like every time you try to play one of these games, it's going to turn into a disaster. Yep, that's it. I, I quit. I quit. I'm gone. Ah, never mind. Well, that was a good chat there. That was News Punch episode 32. Blimey. Doing this for a while now. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for joining me again. Yeah, no problem. I always enjoy being here. And hopefully we will see you again soon. Bye for now. Goodbye for now.